Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We have a great program for you tonight. Later in part two, we're going to be talking about the D-Day Prayer Project and our uh, event in Washington on Veterans Day. You want to stick around for that. We have an update and some exciting news about that and an opportunity for you to grab a bus ride to Washington, D.C. on Friday, November 11th, which is Veterans Day, and to join us in celebrating the D-Day Prayer Edition at the World War II Memorial. Well, also, uh, if you want to visit our website, the Ohio Christian Alliance, you'll find our voter guide. The voter guide is the election is quickly uh, approaching, and uh, the full voter guide is there. covers all the statewide races, the U.S. Senate race, Congressional, Ohio House, and Ohio Senate. And just click on the uh, voter guide at the top of the page, and the full 11 pages will uh, come up for you in a PDF. You're welcome to print that out, share it with your family and friends. We do have limited print voter guide, but uh, most of that is uh, basically a bulletin uh, insert excuse me, with a QR code for people to scan and, again, pull up the whole voter guide on their phone. But it would be, probably be better on your desktop. You could see more of it. And again, just uh, encouraging people to go to our website, Ohio Christian Alliance. Just search that or go to ohioca.org. Also, you'll find a couple of helpful links there. Uh, one is View Our Sample Ballot. That's a very good key from uh, and tool from the Secretary of State's website. And you can go to your local county board of election through that uh, link right there. And we'll sh- you'll be able to see your sample ballot. Uh, so it's not a surprise to you when you get in the booth on Election Day. Also, find my district as the district maps have changed uh, this last year. In fact, the gentleman that's about to join us in a few minutes has actually been part of that process of the redistricting of the maps in Ohio because of the census of 2020. Uh, but we do have maps, Congressional, Ohio House, Ohio Senate. And so if you click on that button, you'll be able to find your district. I found it to be very helpful as my district's changed. And uh, you just put in your address and uh, your districts come up, which will be very helpful when you're voting. Well, with that, let's go to our guest, and he is a candidate for auditor. Uh, He is our current auditor for the state of Ohio, Keith Faber, and he's running for re-election for another four years. Keith, welcome to the program. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Chris. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking time today. I know it's been a busy election uh, cycle for you, getting out to uh, nearly all 88 counties, or have you actually been to all 88 counties? We were actually the first statewide office holder when I first became auditor to actually have official meetings in all 88 counties, and we've been to each county now probably five or six times. So we get around the state. We travel often almost every, at least a couple of days every week. We're someplace in Ohio. Well, that's great. And, you know, it's great meeting with the folks. This is a great state, and it's it's wonderful to get out and to see it. Uh, a lot of people come here in the summer from uh, Florida and, and places part part south to escape the heat and come to Ohio for our beautiful summer that we have. And, of course, we have a beautiful fall season. But it's great to go out and meet with Ohioans. But uh, these are challenging times, without question. Uh, the inflationary rate and uh, the cost of uh, food and other uh, essentials for families is hitting them hard. What are you hearing from vo- voters along those lines of the cost of living and the inflationary uh, uh, attack on uh, you know, the, the family budgets right now? Well, I think Ohioans are struggling. I mean, this is everything you buy has gone up. And in many cases, it's gone up a lot faster than the incomes have, uh, whether it's fuel or food or everything else you see in the economy. It's unnecessary in many cases. It's been bad policies, largely from D.C., that have driven up the cost of everything. It's the uh, the, the Biden administration's war on fossil fuels, which have driven up the gas prices. And since everything we get is transferred and gets to us by gas in one way or another, uh, you see that reflected in literally everything. So I think Ohioans are struggling. But you know what? Uh, I think Ohioans are are generally optimistic people. Uh, They think that we need to get government that works for us, not uh, us working for government. Well, that's exactly right. We're talking with Keith Faber. He is the auditor for the state of Ohio. He is running for re-election. He will be on your fall ballot. And Keith, um, as you've served us as auditor this last four years, uh, tell us a little bit about the office and what your your folks have been doing. 
Thanks, Chris. I always tell people when I start out with these kind of conversations, it's easier to say what I don't do. I don't audit individuals. I don't audit businesses and I don't collect taxes. So most people then say, what do the heck, what in the heck do you do, Faber? And the <laughs> short answer is I get to be your watchdog uh, for people who spend government money. Uh, I get to audit government and we audit roughly 6,000 entities across Ohio who spend tax dollars. Our job is to hold them accountable and make sure that their books mean what they say and say what they mean. Um, and uh, we do about 4,800 audits a year. Now, not every entity gets audited every year. So everybody gets audited either every year or every other year. And so our job is to catch people lying, stealing, and cheating with your money. And just since I've been auditor, we have now convicted convicted more than 90 individuals for lying and stealing and cheating with, with tax dollars. Wow, that that's a lot. 90 in just a four-year period, 90 convictions. So give us a couple examples of that. Sure. Uh, we have, uh, I always say that probably the big one was uh, we convicted the Pike County Sheriff. Many people know about the road and eight murders that uh, went on in Pike County. One of the first guys on the scene there was the Pike County Sheriff. We don't think he had anything to do with the murders, but certainly it gave him a lot of publicity and we got a lot of tips. And by the way, most of our investigations come from tips. So if your listeners see something, we ask you to say something. You can do that at either one eight six six fraud oh or ohioauditor.gov and tell us what you see if government's not working right. But anyhow, we got tips that the Pike County Sheriff was a corrupt cop. We went down and proved that he was a corrupt cop, that he was actually stealing from the evidence room. And uh, we put him in prison uh, for six years, even before even before the first rodent murder went on trial. Uh, that's one example. We just also convicted an assistant county auditor in Clark County not long ago for having a scheme that stole, we think, $1.8 million from the taxpayers. And so those are the kind of things we catch people doing. Uh, I can give you a lot of other examples. But again, if you see somebody in government that's lying, cheating, or stealing, let us know. Most of our investigations come from tips, and uh, we're pretty good about catching them and put them in jail. We're talking with Keith uh, Faber. He is the auditor for the state of Ohio. Uh, Keith, um, you know, as we look at this election, this has been uh, a challenging one in many aspects. Obviously, early in the year, uh, your your office was involved as support of the apportionment board or the redistricting commission of the redraw of the maps uh, due to the census change in Ohio. And so this was a whole new process. Uh, you were somewhat familiar with it uh, in times past, being Senate president. But uh, tell us what it was like this time. Well, I, my short answer, it was a disaster. Uh, when we did the constitutional amendment to change and create the new redistricting commission, if I'd have known I'd have been state auditor, I'd have fought real hard not to put the state auditor on it. Uh, it has been a uh, an experience that has, is to be interesting, to say the least, with the Supreme Court, I think, constitutionally trying to demand that we gerrymander and create districts that uh, are going to inherently have people not be represented by people who share their values. Look, I think that the Constitution requires us to draw districts uh, that pe- where people are represented by people who share their beliefs and values as much as you can. And it has a provision in it that says you should not unnecessarily split cities, townships, and counties. And if you draw districts with that model in play and you keep districts compact, I think you're much more likely to have people represented by people who share their values. Unfortunately, the Supreme Court has, has created what I call the magical mystery ratio uh, and, and tried to require us to draw districts uh, to hit some kind of arbitrary number of Democrat or Republican seats around the state. And I don't think that's doable uh, if you're going to keep cities, counties, and townships intact. And the proof is in the pudding. The maps that are drawn to comply with the Supreme Court mandate invariably, invariably do not keep cities, counties, and townships intact. And it draws uh, what are called hub-and-spoke districts, where you start in an urban center and you go out through a suburb into a rural area just to have a district that leans one partisan way or another. And I think it violates the Constitution, uh, both in its intent and its purpose. But again, that's why I voted no on the last three maps. Well, we do have maps, of course. We have 15 congressional districts instead of 16. We lost one, uh, but we have 15. And then we have the Ohio House and the Ohio Senate. And again, on our website, folks, is a quick link 
uh, Find My District, and that uh, that's a quick link that will take you to the Secretary of State's website, uh, which has a, a great feature. You just put in your address, and your district numbers will come up so that when you go in to vote, you'll understand who you're voting for for Ohio Senate and Ohio House. Also, your sample ballot will be there. You'll know what's on your ballot. There are two statewide constitutional ballot uh, uh, issue one and issue two. We'll talk about that in uh, an upcoming program. One is about bail issues. The other is about... um, What's the other one about, Keith? My mind went blank there for a minute. <laughs> one is about bail, and the other one's about only being allowing citizens to vote. Also a good idea. Oh, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Not, no, no, uh, it bans... Only citizens vote. Right? Only citizens voting. It bans none of citizens from voting. You say, well, that's a no-brainer. Well, uh, we had a small community down there in southwest Ohio that thought uh, there's liberal city council thought that uh, illegals or non-citizens should be able to vote too. And, uh, you know, the Secretary of State quit the kibosh to that very quickly. And so uh, it is a ballot issue. But oddly enough, people say, well, isn't that really reaching too far? Uh, This isn't going to be a widespread problem. Well, here comes the District of Columbia in an Epoch Times article last week where their uh, city council, 11 to 1 vote, voted for non-citizens to be able to vote in the District of Columbia in Washington, D.C. itself. So, no, folks, hey, hey, <laughs> it's where we're at. Your thoughts? Hey, Chris, you don't, you don't even have to look that far. Uh, the, the Democrat running for Cuyahoga County Administrator uh, said in one of the forums that he thinks uh, non-citizens ought to be able to vote in local elections. I forgot so that. He, You're right. He did. You don't even have to go that far. So it is something that you see. It, it's a great way to resolve it. Let's just be clear. In Ohio, you need to be a citizen to vote. Amen to that, Mr. Auditor. Again, we're talking with Keith Faber. He is the current state auditor. He is running for re-election on your fall ballot. That is November 8th, so uh, it's a little later this year as the first Tuesday falls on November 8th. And so uh, today is actually the last day to register to vote. If you've not updated your voter registration, you could do so online. Again, on our website, there's a quick link. Uh, register to vote online by clicking there. It takes you straight to the Secretary of State's website. And if you need to update your voter registration, if you're just turning 18 and would like to vote, you can do that today until, let's see, 7 p.m. or 9 p.m. Uh, you don't want to wait that long, though, but you want to... Uh, why Is it my, midnight? I think it might even be midnight online. Is that right, uh, Keith? I know the Board of Elections are open late tonight, but I think if they register up till midnight, they should be able to register. I'm going to take your word for it. That's beyond my knowledge base as auditor. Frank LaRose, our Secretary of State, he'd know that. He would know that better. That's right. It's a question. (laughs) Well, listen. I've always learned sometimes it's better to say I don't know and, and, and let people help find the answer. That's right. Well, you know, it's it's when we talk about uh, the economy, you're getting out there and talking to a lot of folks. You know, people obviously see the gas prices this last year. They see the food prices. Uh, everything you buy is going up, right? And I think people are really shocked by their grocery bill. And, uh, you know, it's really a shocking experience. And so uh, it's important that we elect the right officials. You know, when I... Uh, of course, I filed an extension on my taxes, and we just filed, and uh, I got another small refund from state uh, 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 state taxes again. Of course, I, j- I filed jointly with my wife, who works at a local hospital, and then our my I'm an independent uh, uh, employed, and so uh, we we for the second year or third year in a row we got a refund, which was nice. And thanks to you, when you were Senate President in cutting our state taxes, uh, that's been that's been helpful, but. Uh, not so much yeah, I, with everything else with the Biden administration. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm proud of the work we've done in Ohio. Look, in Ohio, we've cut taxes. We've done regulatory reform. We've made it easier to, to, to start a business, easier to work, easier to do all the good things you're sporting to do. What we're seeing, though, is massive headwinds coming from the federal government. You know, look, I, when I was in the legislature, we cut billions of taxes. Uh, we did regulatory reform. We grew jobs and strengthened the economy. And you're seeing it. You're seeing companies like Intel. And today, Honda announced that they're putting nearly a $4 billion additional plant down in Washington Courthouse. All of that is happening because Ohio has become a better place to do business. These means jobs for our kids and our grandkids. And these are good jobs. They're not the low-wage jobs. You're seeing jobs that are going to pay, in many cases, six figures. It's because Ohio has become a better place to do business. Ohio is working. You turn to the federal government, look, you can't get there 
by taxing and spending your way to prosperity. It just doesn't work. It's never worked. As Ronald Reagan taught us years ago, the best thing you can do is try and get the federal government out of the way and allow the states and the private sector to succeed. Ohio's doing that. Unfortunately, the Biden administration and this Congress is making it difficult at every turn. That's exactly right. And so people are going to the polls. They're thinking voting for Congress. They're voting for a U.S. senator here in the state of Ohio, replacing Senator Portman's open seat. Uh, They'll be making decision on that. Last night was a debate with J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan uh, locally. It was the first uh, on local television. It was the first statewide debate, actually. And uh, so, again, lots of things to look to the ballot for this November. And it's so important to shore up things in our own state to fight against federal overreach we we see happening in Washington, D.C., and sending the right congressional members that will fight back against the liberal and really socialist, some would say communist, overreach what's happening in the Biden administration. Let's talk about education for a little bit here. Uh, Obviously, that's a lot on parents' minds, lots happening in the education realm. You're for College Credit Plus, and your your office has actually been doing an audit as to how this is actually helping and saving Ohioan families money. Tell us about that. Yeah, College Credit Plus is also known as Ohio's dual enrollment program, and it's a program where high school students can actually get college credit while they're still in high school by taking actual college classes. What a concept. We think this program has saved more than a billion dollars for Ohio families. It's a great program. We did a performance audit that came out and said the program's working okay. We think it can be done better. We can think it can be even better as a good tool to try and hack the high cost of higher education. Look, one thing is for sure. Higher education has gotten too darned expensive. And while it's a great option for many families, we always want to make it a better option and make it more affordable. And one of the ways to do that is to try and get students those college credits that are paid for by the state and offered at your local high schools while the kids are still in high school where it makes sense. Well, that's right. Our family took advantage of the College Credit Plus program, and our um, students uh, actually earned some credit uh, courses, uh, college courses, while they were in high school, which paid dividends as uh, those were classes they didn't have to take with the expense tag tied to it when they entered college, and it really helped them along their way. So it's a great hey, program. Chris, yeah, yeah if, you're, if, you're lis- if your listeners' kids or grandkids are between 7th grade and 12th grade, and they're thinking that college is at all in their future, they need to be asking their high school guidance counselors how they can participate in CCP. It is mandatory that these students be able to participate. And some schools put up more barriers than helpful blockades. And then other schools are great. We had more than 1,000 kids graduate last year with associate's degree in one hand and a high school diploma in the other. So when they graduated from high school, they already had a two-year college degree. Oh, that's amazing. And if if uh, your kids, if your listeners' kids and grandkids want to participate and they're not, make sure they ask about it and get signed up. It is a great program. And it is something that is there to be taken advantage of. That's right. And the state legislature went out of its way to make sure that this was available to Ohioans to cut down the cost of higher education and to uh, actually help our students along the way. You know, one of the things, too, Keith, that uh, not everyone needs to go to college. And I'm convinced by that, that the trades program is a really good route for a lot of uh, students to consider as well. And I know some local school districts that are working in consortium on a trades uh, pr- program that's actually working the Barberton City Schools along with Copley and Norton uh, Wadsworth Schools have a consortium that they work with. They have the College Credit Plus program, but they have a trades program too that's really helping students uh, to prepare uh, for a number of things like auto mechanics or uh, uh, electricians, plumbers, welders, uh, those who want to go into uh, fire and EMS services. Tell us a little bit about your thoughts on the trades program. Yeah, yeah it's a great program. Uh, it's called different things in different locations. It's either a career technical co- uh, compact or CTC or, or, or all different kinds of things. We used to call them the vocational programs, but they're great. I think they're Ohio's hidden gem and our crown of education in the state. It is absolutely a great program. I've toured more than a third of these facilities around Ohio as auditor, and I will tell you they're doing great things for kids. And what they're allowed to do in many cases, and then you talk to them, almost 100% of their kids are, are getting jobs right after graduation, in many cases while they're still in school, and almost always making well above the average wage. 
You talk to kids that are graduating these programs in robotics or, 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 or machining or CTC operating or even an allied health field, and they're coming out and making, in some cases, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year. I was actually in one program not far from you in Medina and talking to their diesel mechanics program, and those kids that graduated just a few years ago literally can come out and be diesel mechanics in programs making six figures. You literally have, have opportunities so if your kids don't want to go to college, making sure they're taking full advantage of these uh, joint vocational schools. That's exactly right. Uh, after Vietnam, I remember that Jimmy Carter, one of the things he did do was launched a, a trades program for uh, vets that had come out of Vietnam. And uh, But it was open to some other folks as well. And I have a friend of mine who actually way back then in the late 70s went into that program and he became a diesel mechanic. He just retired. He, he raised a family and sent him off to... Uh, uh, paid for private education and also uh, college, and uh, he did all that with the trade that he learned back then in this trades program. So I think it's something that we need to relook at and actually accelerate what we're doing because there's so many fields right now that are in need, great demand. We need plumbers, we need welders and machinists. In fact, um, I'm told that the airline industry depends on Ohio machining uh, for a lot of its technical parts. Yep. And so, and a lot of those guys are retiring. They're guys my age, Keith, and your age. And I mean, they're retiring. Who's going to replace them? Well, that's why these trades programs are a must. Your thoughts? That, absolutely true. I could give you a tale of two brothers. Uh, my brother, oldest brother, has two sons. One is a lawyer. He runs my law office. Most years he does pretty well. His younger brother's a diesel mechanic. Every year he does well. And there are many years that the younger brother who's a diesel mechanic does better than his older brother who's a lawyer. That's just the facts. <laughs> Don't overlook those programs. That's just the reality of where we're at. And, and candidly, we need to encourage more kids to think about that. Look, machining, uh, working in a factory, working in the trades is not the, what it used to be. It is certainly dignified work, and it is certainly work that is a lot cleaner, a lot better, and frankly, much more lucrative than historically it had ever been. So I would really encourage people to think about those options. Again, it's been our pleasure to talk with Keith Faber. He is the auditor of State of Ohio. He's running for re-election on the November 8th ballot. Keith, how can people find out more about your campaign? What's the website? Uh, go to KeithFaber.org. KeithFaber.org. That's our website. And certainly you can take a look at there. You can always shoot me an email at Keith at KeithFaber.org and ask us your questions. We're happy to help in any way we can. But more importantly, if you see someplace where government's not working the way it should in state government, state or local government, frankly, uh, give us a call, one eight six six 866 or gov. Hey, Chris, I heard in your warm-up that you're going to be talking about the great project you're doing at, at the World War II Memorial. Just as a plug, if any of your listeners get an opportunity to go, that is a great monument. Thank you for Chris and your team for working on it. I've had a chance to see it a couple of times now, and I just want to thank you for pointing that out and making that history, uh, capturing part of that history for posterity, for our kids and grandkids to see. Thank you, Keith. We appreciate it so much. And again, uh, Mr. Faber is in the voter guide. He actually filled out our survey, so we really appreciate that. And so he lets us know where he stands on pro-life, pro-family issues. Thank you, Keith, for being my guest today. Thanks for having me. God bless you. Well, stick around on the other side. We're going to be talking about the D-Day Prayer Project and how it's coming to a conclusion with the prayers edition. All these years, we've been working to have the prayer there. Uh, stick around. Pastor Al is going to talk, and we're going to share with you some exciting news. Don't go away. Join us on Veterans Day in Washington, D.C. at the World War II Memorial for the celebration of the D-Day Prayer Edition. The edition of this prayer will be a lasting tribute to all our veterans who serve us in time of war and peace. This is Chris Long of the Ohio Christian Alliance inviting you to join author and historian Bill Fetter, Senator Rob Portman, World War II reenactors, and radio host Bob France on Friday, November 11th at 11.30 a.m. at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. After the celebration, 
Bill Fetter will lead a war memorials tour. It will be a time to honor our veterans and celebrate our great nation. For more information, visit ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. And we're back, and we're going to be talking about the D-Day Prayer Project and, of course, the D-Day Prayer Edition celebration on Veterans Day at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. That's this Veterans Day, uh, November 11th. That's a Friday at 11.30 a.m., We'll be gathered at the World War II Memorial for a celebration, and we want you to join us. In fact, we're going to have radio host Bob France will be our MC. Author and historian Bill Fetter will be with us. In fact, Bill's going to be leading, after the ceremony, a war memorials tour of the World War II Memorial, the Circle Remembrance where the prayer is being added, the Vietnam War Memorial, the Lincoln Memorial, and the Korean War Memorial. And that's going to be a whole afternoon event and he's going to be giving like a 20-minute-plus presentation of each of the stops, and it's going to be a great time to be together. Now, we have charter buses, We have uh, so you can join us by way of charter bus, and also uh, we have some hotels, so there's a, uh, a sign-up for that. We're going to, uh, Pastor Al is going to give us the details here in a little bit. Also, Senator Portman, who is a sponsor of the World War II Memorial Prayer Act, which is S-1044 that passed Congress in 2014 and was signed into law. And many of you know we've been working all that time to raise the funding to construct the prayer as a permanent addition. For the last three years, we've had a temporary prayer plaque at the Circle Remembrance. A few years ago, I asked the senator, I said, Senator, can't we just at least have a sign that says future site thereof, right, <laughs> where the prayer's going to be at? He said, I think we could do better than that. Why don't we have a prayer plaque there? And I said, that'd be awesome. And that's exactly what we did. For the last three years, from July 2019 to July of this year, Right when it wasn't taken down until they began the construction, put up the fences, and started uh, with the equipment to add uh, the enhancement of the circle remembrance and adding the major and permanent plaque of FDR's D Day prayer that he prayed with the nation on the day of the D Day landings. We used to say the morning thereof, but actually, he went to the airwaves at about uh, 9.58 p.m., and uh, he said the following. Listen carefully. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. My fellow Americans, last night when I spoke with you about the fall of Rome, I knew at that moment the troops of the United States and our allies were crossing the channel in another and greater operation. It has come to pass with success thus far. And so, in this poignant hour, I ask you to join with me in prayer. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. Lead them straight and true. Give strength to their arms, stoutness to their hearts, 
steadfastness in their faith. They will need thy blessings. Their road will be long and hard. For the enemy is strong. He may hurl back our forces. Success may not come with rushing speed, but we shall return again and again. And we know that by thy grace and by the righteousness of our cause, our sons will triumph. They will be sore tried by night and by day without rest until the victory is won. The darkness will be rent by noise and flame. Men's souls will be shaken with the violences of war. For these men are lately drawn from the ways of peace. They fight not for the lust of conquest. They fight to end conquest. They fight to liberate. They fight to let justice arise and tolerance and goodwill among all thy people. They yearn but for the end of battle, for their return to the haven of home. Some will never return. Embrace these, Father, and receive them, thy heroic servants, into thy kingdom. And for us at home, fathers, mothers, children, wives, sisters, and brothers of brave men overseas, whose thoughts and prayers are ever with them, help us, almighty God, to rededicate ourselves in renewed faith in thee in this hour of great sacrifice. Many people have urged that I call the nation into a single day of special prayer. But because the road is long and the desire is great, I ask that our people devote themselves in a continuance of prayer as we rise to each new day and again when each day is spent let words of prayer be on our lips invoking thy help to our efforts give us strength to strengthen our daily tasks to redouble the contributions we make in the physical and the material support of our armed forces. And let our hearts be stout to wait out the long travel, to bear sorrows that may come, to impart our courage unto our sons, wheresoever they may be. And, O oh Lord, give us faith. Give us faith in thee, faith in our sons, faith in each other, faith in our united crusade. Let not the keenness of our spirit ever be dulled. Let not the impacts of temporary events of temporal matters of but fleeting moment. Let not these deter us in our unconquerable purpose. With thy blessing we shall prevail over the unholy forces of our enemy. Help us to conquer the apostles of greed and racial arrogances. Lead us to the saving of our country and with our sister nations into a world unity that will spell a sure peace, a peace invulnerable to the schemings of unworthy men and a peace that will let all men 
live in freedom, reaping the just rewards of their honest toil. Thy will be done, almighty God. Amen. Once lost in history, but no more. It will be a permanent addition at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. Join us on Veterans Day, Friday, November 11th at 1130 a.m. at the World War II Memorial as we will be celebrating this prayer's addition. Now, the prayer may not be completed by that time. They're telling us early December, but the reason why we're having it on Veterans Day is because we're going to have some World War II veterans with us, and we're going to have a great ceremony with Bob France and Bill Fetter and Senator Portman. We have music and we have a reenactment company that's coming. They have over 30 members of their uh, World War II reenactors that will be with us as our honor guard. And we'll be having a, a great time together and then a tour of the monuments in Washington together. You don't want to miss this. And in fact, you can sign up on our website, ddayprayerproject.org, or go to also the Ohio Christian Alliance website. There's a link there, Ohio Christian Alliance or ddayprayerproject.org. Just click on the link and let us know that you want to uh, be part of the bus trip and we'll make sure that you get that registration form. So the cost is $235. That's uh, You'll leave on Thursday at 11 a.m. from Wadsworth, Ohio, on the bus, and you'll go to Washington. You'll stay at the Holiday Inn that night just outside of Washington. It include, The cost includes your bus trip and your hotel fare. You'll have to pay for some additional food, but you get a free continental breakfast. I would Not continental, a full buck breakfast buffet at the hotel, and then there'll be opportunities for food along the way and uh, on the day, of course. And the cost for a single person is $235. The cost for a couple is $320. Again, that includes your bus ride and your hotel stay. And then you'll come back on the bus uh, probably about midnight, maybe 1 in the morning, you'll get back to Wadsworth. And so your car will be uh, parked over there, and Wadsworth will give you all the details of where that's at. But with me on the phone is Pastor Al Davis, who is actually going to be a coordinator on the bus with uh, Dr. Gary Dominic. Pastor, your thoughts on the trip to Washington? You looking forward to it? Well, Chris, this is exciting. And, you know, as as a veteran myself and having uh, relatives uh, that were in World War II, my father, my uncle, and others, um, it's exciting to see after 11 years how this has come to fruition. And the the patience and the long suffering mm. uh, that uh, you put forward to carry this through, and then of course the fact that the, I think God wanted to have some reminder there in Washington D.C. that there is a God that governs in the affairs of men, and I think that's why this is coming true. That's right. You know this great article that Carrie Byrne wrote on uh, June sixth of this year in celebration of the anniversary of D Day. Uh, for foxnews.com. He interviewed with me, but he did some great research, and he found out that when this was, uh, when the announcement, in fact, this is the way that the president announced to the nation that the liberation of Europe was underway. He didn't say where, <laughs> he, he did, because he didn't tell Normandy, because Hitler was still persuaded that the main force was going to land at the Palais under uh, General Patton, and he had fictitious divisions built around him in England, and it was a diversionary tactic, and so Hitler kept the Panzer divisions up there in the Palais while the Normandy invasion was unfolding, but there was still that the whole uh, battle was in doubt, uh, and, and so it needed prayer, and so the president said, I ask you to join with me in prayer, and you know, Al, this I think in modern times is the only time that a president has gone to the airwaves asking for the nation to pray with him. That's amazing, real, when you stop and think about it. Oh, absolutely. And and when you think of everything went into this, um, yeah, I can remember my uncle saying that he was on a B-24 bomber, and they flew ahead of the D-Day invasion pre-positioning supplies and, and armaments. And uh, and just uh, hearing some of the stories of the veterans that have been there that uh, were on those boats as they came ashore, not knowing if they would even live to make the beach, and uh, and others that survived and told about uh, God's hand upon them 
um, it's it's exciting. It's a great piece of history to keep alive and to preserve for uh, our children, isn't it? It is indeed. You know, FDR starts with, Last night when I came to you about the fall of Rome, I knew at that moment that troops of the United States, along with our allies, were mounting an even greater campaign, and it has come to success thus far. And I ask you to join with me in prayer. And of course, uh, Rome, of course, and the Anzio and Salerno uh, beachheads down there in Italy for six months before that was a brutal campaign. I'm actually watching an old World War II uh, movie right now about Audie Murphy. It's called To Hell and Back. And of course, he was the highly decorated soldier, started as a private. Uh, they wanted to give him a battlefield cr- commission as a lieutenant. I, I don't know if he actually finally took it, but he was awarded every medal that our military can award. And he fought uh, in North Africa. He fought in Sicily. He fought in... Um, in Italy, uh, there uh, in uh, Anzio, and then he fought in southern France. And, of course, in this movie, it talks about that in Anzio, in, in, uh, in the Italian campaign, they were keeping down five uh, Nazi divisions, crack divisions, there in the boot of Italy, which kept them away from the beachheads of France, okay? So uh, the, the work that the troops were doing in Italy was actually also keeping... Uh, five uh, major crack divisions of the Nazi forces busy in Italy. And, of course, a lot of our guys died down there in Italy. You know, my wife and I want to visit there sometime and to go to uh, the, the battlefields and actually go to the cemeteries and to remember the dead. You know, in this prayer is also a memorial because he says, Some will never return. Receive them, Father, into thy care. So, look, uh, this is a this is a, a, a prayer that is long-lasting. It's going to be for all of our veterans, uh, past and present, for those who have served us in time of war and peace. This is a lasting tribute to them. And you know, one of the things that this author, uh, Kerry Byrne, did in this article, he did some research. There was rallies of prayer that broke out across the nation when the president went to the airwaves. There was spontaneous prayer in New York City and Chicago and all over the country, and churches opened up and people poured into the churches to pray for the success of the battle that was unfolding in Normandy. Pastor, your thoughts? Oh, you're right. It it did prompt prayer, and I think that was one of the brilliance. Um, We we may have politically some differences with uh, President Franklin Roosevelt, but you know, he understood people, and he understood the country, and he understood that there were people throughout this nation that had a strong faith in God and a strong sense of right and wrong and understood that we were fighting evil in the Nazis. And and when he put this out in the form of a prayer, I believe he understood that he was tapping in to people who would react to that and do exactly what you said. Pockets of prayer would break out across this country. And I I think this is something that we've lost today, isn't it? That that people today don't appreciate the power of prayer. And uh, even even unsaved people in days gone by would ask Christians to pray for them, because there's this uh, almost unwritten thing that uh, people knew that prayer worked, even if you didn't know the the Lord yourself, you knew that when others prayed, things happened. Amen. And I believe that's what we saw in World War II, when people began to pray, and God intervened. And, well, as they say, the rest is history, isn't it? Well, I'm looking at one of the pictures of a massive crowd that gathers at Madison Square Garden at the same time. And it said it's estimated that 50,000 came to Madison Square Garden to pray. Uh, and then the bells rang out also uh, at the historic North Church in Boston and all across the country as people were praying as the president encouraged people to pray. You know, he references in there, Pastor Alley said, some have said, asked me to call for a special day of prayer, but I ask that our citizens be in a continuance of prayer because the battle is long. And it's going to be hard, and I ask you to, to be in a continuance of prayer. There's, there's, that's good admonishment, isn't it? Because we need to continue yeah. in the fight and continue in prayer. Your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when we think about the spiritual battle that we're in, and, and Paul told the Ephesians, you know, 
that we fight against spiritual wickedness in high places. And as he's describing the armor of God, one of the things that he says is to stand, in meaning take a stand. And one of the things that we're supposed to do while we're standing is praying, looking to God and imploring God to to consider our situation and to intervene and to pray for his protection and his favor upon us. And uh, the same thought that uh, that led President Roosevelt to ask the nation to prayer back during World War II, that's what we need today. We need people to come together to pray for our nation today in the battles that we face. And I think this memorial will be useful in helping people to remember that. That's right. You know, one of the things that um, the this author writes about, he talks about the diary of Anne Frank, and it's referenced in there, and, and she said when she heard of the invasion, she knew that friends were on their way. And if you listen to the 1959 Oscar-winning uh, uh, performance of the Hollywood uh, portrayal of that movie, uh, The Diary of Anne Frank, there's a, there's a portrayal in there when uh, they hear that the announcement of the liberation of Europe is underway, that Normandy is underway, because they hear the prayer. And it was on the BBC, and it was broadcast around the world. It's estimated over 100 million people heard this prayer. Uh, and, in, in fact, so you assume that uh, they did that. it's portrayed that they did there, and obviously she writes about it in her diary. Of course, unfortunately for that little Jewish girl, she did not live. But, you know, that's why—and to set free, the wording that FDR used, to set free a suffering humanity. Your thoughts? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and again, that's what we need today, isn't it? Prayer. Because people are suffering today. We we see the war there in Ukraine with Russia, and, and we see the conflicts that are going on in Africa and the Middle East and elsewhere in the world, and, and just the plight of humanity. And were it not for prayer, it would be hopeless, wouldn't it? We need God's help. And, and again, what a reminder that prayer not only was effective in the past, it will be effective today. Amen. Well, we needed prayer to be answered to get this done, didn't we, Pastor? Um, Absolutely. <clears throat> so we, we serve a big God. I'm reading here from Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen. Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. And also in verse 27, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? The answer to that is no. And when we, when we needed two, several million dollars for the completion of this prayer, uh, the Lord gave us the promise that he would do it, and he did. Six months later came the word that the Lilly Endowment had come forward with a major grant to put us over the top and to get this prayer completed. And, of course, it's being constructed right now, and I'm getting reports from people who are visiting the site in Washington. My wife and I were there back in July, and uh, we're hearing reports about how it's progressing, and we're so thankful about that. And uh, so it will be completed by December, but we're going to celebrate it again on November 11th. So let's give the details about that again, Pastor. So then go to ddayprayerproject.org, and let us know that you're coming, and you can you can click there. And if you want to uh, take the charter bus and the hotel overnight from November 10th, it leaves uh, in the greater Akron area. Then we go down to Washington, stay the night, all day on Friday, November 11th, on the Mall in Washington. We're going to take in the services of the World War II Memorial Veterans Service, the Vietnam War Memorial Service. Uh, Bill Fetter will be leading in the tour, and of course, our ceremony at 11.30 a.m., and again, the two websites are Ohio Christian Alliance and ddayprayerproject.org. What's the cost again, Pastor, for an individual and a couple? And of course, that's ohioca.org for the Ohio Christian Alliance. And the uh, cost is for a couple or, or two people sharing a room, uh, the room and bus fare, $320, or an individual, that's a hotel and bus, uh, for $235. And if you have any questions, you can give us a call at 330-887-1922. That's the offices of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Again, that's 330-887-1922. 
1922. And we're going to have a great day down there on Veterans Day this year at the World War II Memorial celebrating this prayer's edition. And and then next year we're going to have some War Memorials tour with both Dave uh, Barton and Bill Fetter. And so we'll be giving announcement about that. So we're going to continue doing this down in Washington. But this time we're going to be celebrating. We want you to join with us. Pastor, your thoughts about that? Well, let me just share a final thought. I was thinking about this as you were talking. Isn't it fitting that God chose the Ohio Christian Alliance, you, an Ohio native, an Ohio senator, and an Ohio congressman, to get something that seemed impossible done when our Ohio motto is what? With God, all things are possible. Amen. Amen, Pastor. And, you know, right now there's folks uh, that might be in a difficult position. And you know what, friend? All you need is faith. You need to believe in God, and He will bring you through. If you've never called out upon Him, you need to do that. You need to call upon the Lord Jesus Christ and accept Him as your personal Lord and Savior. You know, I'm celebrating 45 years ago this last week. I accepted Jesus as my Savior. And you know what? You can too, just by calling out to Him. And if you've done that, you call us, and we'll send you a Bible. And free of charge, we want to make sure that you grow as a Christian. Because it's as simple as this, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you for listening, friend. We're so glad. Pastor, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Chris. And your radio program on Fridays at 1 p.m., live with Pastor Al. Don't miss that either. Thanks for joining us. God bless you all. Listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.